Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Welcome to my guest, Carlos de la Playa. He is an incredible coach and public figure, and I'm just going to go ahead and say gay icon, uh, who has his own amazing podcast as well. I am so excited to have him here today, and I'm also going to let Carlos introduce himself. Wow, gay icon. That's the first time I've heard someone call me a public figure that it really tickled the part of me that wants to be super famous. So thanks for saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a life coach. Uh, pretty much within my life coaching journey, I've been a general life coach and still consider myself one. Yet these days, I find that playfulness, mysticism, mystery, self-expression, taking up space are often shame, shame and things like that are what I most coach on. I'm obsessed with self-expression and helping people understand it in their own way. Mostly myself though. Like I started this journey because I wanted to be like a huge guinea pig of myself. Like, uh, did that even make sense? I trusted it. And I figured that while I'm on the journey, I would also like support people and share my story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Yay. And can you just tell us a little bit about your podcast? Because I am obsessed with it. Oh my God. Thanks for saying that. Uh, so I have a podcast called the Spiritual Thirst Trap Podcast. So I love to explain to people what a thirst trap is because a lot of people don't know, surprisingly. A thirst trap, I mean, think of the word trap. When you're trapping, like let's say you're out hunting and you're, you set like a bear trap or something, right? That's a weird example. But the idea is, is that that trap is supposed to capture the bear, right? And thirst, what thirst means is sort of like that part of us that's like horny or desires sex or that gets turned on. Um, and, and so a thirst trap is a post that we make on social media with the intention of trapping someone's thirst. I love personally taking thirst traps, like making, uh, I love feeling sexy in my own body. I think it's such a gift to feel that. I think it's such a portal to confidence. It's such a portal to healing. It's such a portal to releasing shame and trauma. To, to feel sexy in your own body and empowered in that. And a lot of people think that thirst traps are like, quote unquote, low vibrational, whatever the hell that even means. And um, I believe thirst traps are sacred as fuck. And I believe that any form of expression that we do, even if it's perceived as cringy by others, is sacred and beautiful and right, uh, including thirst traps. So I decided to sort of, uh, I also think that the word spiritual is used a lot um, to also put people in these boxes and rule books like, oh, it's, it's spiritual if you meditate every day or it's spiritual if, and there's all these like fake rules. So I, I, I was like going to play along with that and call a thirst trap spiritual and it's really a, like a joke more than anything this podcast is a self-improvement sort of podcast or a self-actualization podcast that's designed to help you like really 
live a life that you're turned on by whatever that means to you and to literally wrote and in the process like have fun it's not this like copy and paste sort of like all right when i reach this goal then i'll be happy sort of like thing that I see a lot in self-improvement spaces. It's really like learning how to romanticize the journey, be turned on by your journey in more than one way, if you catch my drift, in, in a mischievous, playful, unfiltered way. It is explicit. I curse a lot. I talk about sex on that show too. I haven't talked about sex yet, but it's coming. Pun intended, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have to mark this podcast explicit. I, I just mark it explicit every episode by default because I swear and uh, I I don't make too many explicit sex references. Although this is actually okay, this is a fun one for you because you would totally have already posted this by now. I had this thought the other day. <laughs> I've had a couple friends ask me recently uh, how my relationship is so healthy, which is so funny to me because I've always had kind of. I've had a lot of tumultuous relationships. So I've been in one, my main nesting partner who I live with, I've been with for over five years and it is a very healthy relationship. And I was like, oh, wow, people are asking me this. And I was like, I, in all seriousness, part of why the relationship is so healthy is because when I had a full hysterectomy and my cervix was removed, I was reshaped to be just exactly big enough to take my partner's big dick. just barely. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could totally make this video about how like I have a custom made pocket for this big wallet to like- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I haven't done that yet, but I thought it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is funny and it's probably like also true, correct me if I'm wrong. Like sex is amazing and i think we should like we being whoever resonates with what i'm saying take what resonates leave the rest behind we should quote unquote be willing and open to talking about sex instead of making it this like mystery that's like taboo and no yeah no thanks and speaking of which uh social media is still to a large degree i know at least instagram like sex coaches on instagram have to and sex therapists on instagram have to like they do like s dash x because any post with the word sex in it can get banned or get them shadow banned and i just think that is so wild because it's such a basic part of life for so many people anyway so that brings me back to like i know one of the things you're so amazing about is shame And that's a, like, I think about that topic a lot. And I'm really, really curious what this journey was like for you, whether you, like, was that something you were dealing with? Is that why that ended up being part of your work? And like, how did you kind of work through that with all these societal messages? Such a good question. Yeah, shame. I really do see shame as sort of like this mind virus that maybe like 99% arbitrary statistic of people experience and some of them don't even realize it like they go to their deathbed and shame what it does is it's sort of like this this mask it's sort of a filter that our genius gets filtered through to other people so that we're more like palatable digestible we stir the pot less and shame isn't something that we're born with it's taught it's taught it's taught it's taught it's taught shame says my beingness there's something wrong with it and it needs to be fixed. Shame really says, like, if you believe in God, I believe in God. Like, 
God fucked up making me, so I need to fix this. Like, oh my God. Hello, can we just listen to like the preposterousness of that statement? Like, dogs, if you look at a dog, are dogs going like, damn, the way that I bark is too much. Like, I need to fix it. No, dogs aren't doing that. Peacocks aren't like growing less feathers because somebody's thought they're too much, right? Like, shame is is a perspective that's injected into the consciousness of our society from a very young age. And we actually live in systems that uh, perpetuate, teach it, reward it, romanticize it. And um, yeah, to answer your question, shame is literally probably the mind virus that most plagued me growing up. You know, as a gay man who is quite queer, who also has parts of me that present in a very feminine, beautiful way, and is very spiritual, very weird, intense, very nerdy, um, and what people would call hypersexual. But even the word hyper suggests that my level of sexuality or expressing my sensual energy is too much, right? So um, growing up, everything that I did was filtered through this lens of shame. And I know that a lot of queer folks probably resonate with this, but every everything I, I was constantly like metaphorically and sometimes literally looking over my shoulder to see if someone would catch the gay that comes out of me and like filtering it, filtering it, hiding it, diminishing it, trying to squeeze it out of my body. And specifically it was with sexuality. And then after coming out of the closet of sexuality, it was with spirituality that I felt very in the closet about for many years as well. I went through college, joined a fraternity, was a student leader, all these things in the closet. So like for for the first 24 years of my life, uh, I lived my life, the half of my life in secrecy. And it was so fucking exhausting, you know, to and stressful and anxiety inducing, you know. And there are people that I was around that were highly intuitive that knew and they would very gently be like, hey, like they would ask questions and I would go into a fight or flight response, avoid the conversation, deflect it, run away. And and at the time, like I didn't understand because I was so in it, how much I just viewed my existence as like wrong or like an abomination almost. You know, I started to really be seen by more people and I started becoming fascinated with this idea of like self-improvement even though the way that I approach it is completely different now but I started to want to take up more space and want to heal and want to cultivate emotional intelligence and um, I came out at like this retreat that one of the exercises is to ruin your reputation on purpose and to confess things that you don't want people to know about you and that exercise right there alone is worth a, more than a million dollars. Like ruin your reputation on purpose. Everything you think would get you completely canceled or rejected from the tribe, like share it on purpose. Get yourself canceled on purpose, right? Like uh, ruin your reputation on purpose. And uh, it was through that exercise that I started to slowly feel safe to take up space of my sexuality. And, at, you know, in that moment, like at this retreat, 
I remember being in the middle of a circle of like 30 people. I was like sobbing in the middle of this circle. Like it felt like I was dying because imagine like 24 years of hiding. Like I'm coming face to face with like, actually, I didn't have to do that. And and sort of the shame that's on top of that, of like, damn, like I was surrounded by people who would have kept loving me had I came out. So all this pretending was for nothing. And like that was really hard to face. There was also at the same time, this other part of me that felt like a lion, like a king, like a part of my nervous system that fucking awakened. It felt like golden fire. It felt like that part of me that's connected to God, like that hose, instead of being like a time, the thickness of a pencil, it was like the thickness of a fire hose now. And I got up and I felt power and I looked everyone in the eyes and I was like, wearing this mask of pretending is fucking heavy and I'm done fucking performing for other people. And, you know, after that, I became obsessed with self-expression. And then I came out of the closet of my nerdiness and the part of me that's a gamer and the part of me that likes to smoke weed and have drinks sometimes. Like all, I started just coming out in all areas of my life. Now I'm here with you, Matia. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I actually I wasn't even thinking of that consciously, but the um the posts that you make where you post, you know, images from anime or something that like go along with what you're saying. I love those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, literally, I thought no one would get it. I thought people would all unfollow me. I thought that my nerdiness would be seen as repulsive. And then I was like, wait, but what if like I just purposely push people away? Let me just experiment with it. And so many people that I would have never guessed are like, oh, my God, you love anime, too. You're giving me permission to be myself. Thank you. I thought I had to hide this. And I started making more money. And literally now, like in my first group program ever, People are using references of anime to like create concepts of breakthrough. And I'm like, holy fuck, I'm getting paid to like (laughs) gamify life and talk about quests and talk about your aligning your your jutsus and shit. And like, it's all within the frame of like self-actualization, whatever that even means too. But like saying yes to you, self-expression. Wow. No place I'd rather be. (laughs) yay so i do want to ask just because i like i have been on a pretty similar journey i feel like over time of just like being bigger brighter taking up more space like i loved the lion imagery and that is not to say that it's a totally linear path right in terms of so i'm i'm really curious to hear if either you have times where you've been expressing yourself and you felt like it did not go the way you wanted it to like more recently. So in, in showing that this is like a nonlinear path or if it's like, Oh no, the external stuff has all been hundred percent great, but my internal experience of it, like whatever you're still working through, if that comes up for you still, or if maybe you're just like totally past it, fully enlightened. (laughs) I actually really love that question, Mattia, because I think it can be easy to hear the story I just said and been like, Oh, Carlos arrived to the destination and uh, newsflash, when I quote unquote arrived at this destination, I was hit with literally the worst depression I've ever had in my life. Like I'm talking psycho spiritual death. Like I was, I thought I was going crazy at one point. Um, and that's just one 
of many challenges that come up. But what happened was when I first started taking up space in this way, there was a part of me that was taking up space in a performative way also. So it was like, Mm. I went so far to the other side of the spectrum that instead of performing as like this closeted individual, now I'm performing as this like almost overly bold. And there were parts of it that felt cringy, not because it was a bad thing or anything, but because it was still performative and people pleasing in nature. And um, this depression that sort of brought me to my knees, like literally and metaphorically. And I also sprained both ankles at the same time. It was like back to back to back, like shitty things happening forced me to really take a look at where else in my life I was lying or performing. And, you know, I used to wear like outfits and I would mismatch patterns on purpose. And it was actually really inauthentic. Um, It, I would mismatch patterns to break rules on purpose and like almost piss people off on purpose, but it wasn't really who I am. And then I also forced myself to be louder when I actually didn't want to speak. Right. So taking up space in a clean way, which is like what I sort of help people do as well is understanding that taking up space isn't about, isn't necessarily about dressing brighter or being on stage or having a large audience or being louder or more charismatic. It's about saying yes to you. And when you say yes to you, including those parts of us that aren't seen as confident, as expressive, or maybe even seen as weird or outcasted in society, when you could learn to say yes to those parts and also integrate those, those parts of your psyche, some people call this the shadow, right? Like then you actually take up even more space than the person who's like performing as bold. I started stepping into what I what I would call like my dark prince era <laughs> and like um, which was me taking up space and speaking yet only when I wanted to. And if I didn't want to dress up all the way, then I wouldn't. And if I didn't feel like contributing to the conversation or posting or performing or then I wouldn't. And it was more about letting go so it was like at first when i first started like sort of coming out into this more expressed taking up space entity it was about it was very external which was necessary it wasn't a bad thing it was very necessary and healthy and i needed to do that experiment and then and then after that i bounced back into this like okay how can i take up more space by letting go more by speaking less by going inward rather than only focusing on the external and this, this is continuing to unfold. Like even to this day, Mattia, like there's still moments where I can, like where I'm posting or creating content and I'm thinking about somebody that I'm wanting to impress. That's not even like my content isn't even for them. And, and like, there's this voice that's like, but what if they reject you or abandon you? Right. And it's, it's a constant, constant sort of recalibration to like, actually, I'm not ready to be exposed to that rejection or abandonment. So I am going to put the filter on here. That's being authentic when you can own that you're not ready to handle the next level. Like that's so authentic. And that's so much more courageous than someone who's pretending to be authentic.
right? And then like take being willing to take emotional risks when my nervous system can handle it. Like actually, yeah, I see that I'm trying to impress this person and this is my truth. I'm going to put it without filter. And if I lose them, I'm going to have my own back because I've got me. And if I've got me, then I don't need them. It would be nice to get their validation and their love. And I own that I want it. And, and I trust that if I lose them, it's because there's something better and more aligned coming for me, right? Whether that's like a partner that I'm trying to attract or clients or whatever it is, you know? And, and for me, where, where I would say my work is in my own medicine is in dating. Like I'm continuing to catch where I'm like trying to come off as like less spiritual, or so that I don't push somebody away or where I'm trying to like curse less because I want them to think that I'm like, right. And I'm noticing it and I'm like, actually, no, let's repel them, not repel them on purpose as in make it my mission to repel them, but it repel them on purpose. If my truth repels them, like that's actually a win, right? Like, oh, I love a, that. I call them spicy wind actually. Yes. Oh but, yeah. I saw you post about that. Okay. Yeah. Talk about spicy winds. Cause I oh love God. that. Yeah. So <laughs> any goal that we set in our life, we on the way to the goal, like there's a journey that involves high highs, low lows and everything in between. It's not linear. So if you're setting a goal to find a soulmate that loves you as you are, who you are, that has similar values to you, that you have bomb ass sex with whatever, the goal isn't to get everybody to like you. The goal is to actually repel anybody who isn't that person. If you really think about it, right? But what happens is, is people start going on dates and they repel someone that they like or that they want to like them. And they think that something went wrong, but, and it feels like shit, right? They think that they failed. And really what that is, is a spicy win because you repelled the person that's not your person. So you literally got, you factually speaking, you got closer to understanding what you won't tolerate, understanding what you're looking for. And you repelled someone who didn't match that right? This is called a spicy win. Same thing. Like I'm going to use a, an example of like, let's say you're building, you're a content creator or a life coach, or, you know, you're, you're somebody who's building an online brand, right? Like anytime you post your truth and you lose followers, that's a spicy win. Anytime you post something that felt edgy, but it was your truth. And it's a truth that turned you on from the inside and out. And it was a little scary and you got hate comments on it or someone tried to cancel you that's that's what i would call like a spicy win because the idea is is it's spicy because it's uncomfortable it's something that can be can feel like failure and um and 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 it's part of sort of when we when we when we're on our way to that goal whatever that is it's part of like like i like to use this metaphor of like forging a sword right in order to forge a sword it's put inside like this forge that has super hot melting temperatures and then this blacksmith starts hitting it with the hammer each hammer hit each time it's dipped into the forge that's a spicy win but then when you put the sword into like the cold water to cool it down or whatever that's like the pleasurable moment, right? And it's literally like whenever you're manifesting or on your way to a desired outcome, whatever that is, it's a process of becoming the person that can 
like hold that thing like energetically speaking because i love talking about energetics too it's like in order to get to where you want to go you have to let go of the things that are repelling that thing that's uncomfortable that's a spicy win you have to be willing to let go and be in that emptiness that uncertainty of not knowing and and take risks all of this can count as like a spicy win and you need the spicy wins like there's if if you're not having spicy wins then you're not showing up you're not you're not on the hero's journey Mm. oh that's good yeah so i know uncertainty i've seen listed as one of the most uncomfortable i don't know if it's actually an emotion but that the experience of uncertainty is one of the most uncomfortable for a lot of humans Um, some people like it but a lot of people do not and i'm loving also something you said about uh basically you know having your own supporting yourself having your own back when things don't go well or when you're having as you've now dubbed it a spicy win i love that as well (laughs) how like i would love for you to talk more about details of what you do to support yourself when you're in these experiences and and that could be around the uncertainty it could be around you know again you having something just not go the way you want it or feeling that rejection, what do you do to actually support yourself in those moments when those big feelings are coming up? Oof. Your questions are so good. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So there's quite a few ways that I like to approach it. And as always, like to anyone listening to this, take what resonates, leave the rest behind, try on a tool. If it doesn't fit right, then it ain't for you. And that's okay. Right. Um, one thing I've been experimenting with a lot lately that has been really working for me is this, like the spicier feelings or the more uncomfortable feelings. Like when I feel the sensation actually happening in my nervous system is to romanticize it, intensify it turn the volume up on it and literally almost imagine like I'm riding that feelings dick. Okay. And like, let's say, let's say I'm feeling a lot of self doubt because I'm being interviewed or I'm going on a date with someone who really, like, I think they're just better than me and I'm putting them on a pedestal. Like that part of me that's spinning out in doubt and an insufficiency instead of being like, well, Carlos, you shouldn't feel that way. Like put yourself on the pedestal too. come on, love and light. Like I am confident, like saying that even though you don't feel it, like I literally imagine that that voice of doubt, of insecurity, of insufficiency, of scarcity, of not enoughness is like someone I can have sex with. I intensify it. And I tell that voice, I'm like, yeah, come on doubt harder choke me harder doubt choke me harder judgment and like something about that something about that for some reason always gives me exactly what i want because i'm not rejecting my experience i'm actually owning that some part of me kind of likes being like choked by self-doubt it it starts to create this uh, this safety in my nervous system. Like I go, I I start moving out of fight or flight and into like rest and digest. And when you're in rest and digest on that side of the spectrum of like your nervous system state, um, your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that's like associated with creativity, problem solving, visualization, confidence, and also the right side of your brain, also creativity, spirituality, et cetera. Blood flow starts going to these areas in your brain 
And, and it's when you're in, it's when there's literally blood flowing to those areas in your brain because you're in rest and digest, that it's easier to actually be who you are. So ironically, the pathway into like fixing my insecurity in this sort of example was to ride the dick of my insecurity instead of like trying to affirm it away, right? Um, and really how you do this is just like, you recognize like, okay, in this moment, I'm sort of in this like trance of unworthiness. T Tara Brock, one of my favorite teachers calls it the trance of unworthiness. It's like, recognize that you're in a state where you're closer to fight or flight, where you're at war with yourself. Recognize like, hey, right now I'm at war with myself. I'm feeling doubt. And name the feeling. I'm feeling doubt. I'm feeling nervousness. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling insufficient. Or I'm feeling needy, right? You know, and then as you recognize the emotion and, and point out where it is in your body, I like to ask myself, where's this sensation like most living in my body? Maybe it's in your throat. Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's in your butthole, right? Like, and you literally just zoom into that feeling and then, um, and, and just allow it. Like, allow it, you know, that would be the second step, right? So you recognize it and name it and locate it. That's the first step. And then the second step is you allow it. This is just the life of the moment. This is where I'm at. This isn't a problem that needs to be fixed or changed. And then you investigate it. Investigating is literally just amplifying it, putting a magnifying glass on it. I like to give people the visual. Imagine you're taking an elevator from your head to the center of that tenderness and that feeling. Investigate it, right? Um, and then, and nurture. Nurture could be riding and stick. It could be looking at the feeling and saying, hey, you're not a problem that needs to be fixed. And I'm sorry for rejecting you frustration insufficiency i'm sorry for trying to fix you and inviting them to to have a seat at the table with your other feelings right so hey anxiety like i want you to join me on this date with this person that intimidates me because i and i want you to actually need you because when i show up with you and with my other feelings i'm being more who i am and i'm creating more safety within this date and i want to show you that even if they do abandon us I'm still here. Whew. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, Tara Brock, this, that process, R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, rain, for short, was invented by Tara Brock. It's really what I use. And, and you know, it really, it, it's too long, didn't read, summary. You recognize you're at war with yourself and that feeling that you're trying to fix, stop trying to fix it and, like, intensify it. Turn up the volume on it, on it. And then and 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 ride its dick, <laughs> or you know, if you're someone who's like uh, penetrating the feeling, that too. Imagine you're penetrating the feeling, and the feelings whispering in your ear, "You're not good enough," right? Like while you're <laughs> penetrating it, like dead ass, like that shit works, y'all. It works. And there's other tools as well, but that's like the first one that really came up here mm -hmm. with your question. And if you want more of that content the, about what Carlos was just saying. Listen to Carlos's podcast. It's so good. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Like, literally, like, let yourself get turned on by the contrast, mm. you know? Let yourself get turned on by sensation. What a lot of people, and this is hard, right? Like, there's layers to it. I don't want y'all to think that I'm, like, 
perfect at this either. There's certain sensations that I'm still like, this is too much. No. Right. Yeah. But I, pain and pleasure, like we think of it as two separate things, but I like to tell people like, imagine heads and tails. You can't take heads away from tails. It's one coin. So when you're, when, when you're literally, when you're feeling a painful or uncomfortable emotion, like uncertainty to use the one that you said, Mattia, like, and you're, and you're saying yes to it. And you're like uncertainty, get higher fear, get more intense anxiety, get more intense, show me more, give me more, right? You are physically expanding your nervous system's capacity. Like I want you to imagine that inside your nervous system, there's a container of like water. And that container holds pain and pleasure in the same container. That container literally gets bigger when you expand your capacity to feel pain. It's the same thing with pleasure too, right? Like when you're feeling pleasure, there's a lot of people that when they're feeling a lot of pleasure, when it's too much, when it's too much, they're like, okay, now I need to go fuck something up, right? Like now I need to go like, get blackout drunk and be super hungover so that I feel like shit. Or now I need to go get an injury, push it too hard at the gym. That's a big one for me. When I'm like making a lot of money, then suddenly my body hurts and I'm like, wait a damn minute. Yeah. You know? So yeah. And it's this container actually gets bigger when you're, when you're using sort of that rain process of really going into a feeling and amplifying it sensationally, like you can do that with pleasure as well. It doesn't just have to be pain. It, that container gets bigger and you're, you're experiencing more aliveness rather than like, like, okay, I could only handle this much pleasure. And right. I'm going to just yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And actually I think sex is a perfect analogy to go along with this for how I'm certainly one way that I have practiced being able to handle more feeling in general was not feeling safe around sex because of having been assaulted and having to go through this whole process of getting back to like, okay, this is safe. You know, having to say to myself over and over, like I'm safe in the moment. And a lot of times saying no, when I actually kind of did want to say yes, because I was defaulting to protecting myself and staying safe. And I literally had to regrow that capacity to hold pleasure because I was like, you know, only this little, like to use the analogy of the bucket or whatever, like I had this like the little cup and I was like, okay, I can hold this little cup of pleasure and anything more than that is, is overwhelming and pushes me into a place that doesn't feel safe. And so that's kind of the other like side of this. I feel like is what we're balancing is not just pleasure and pain. It's like, on one side is pleasure and pain and on the other side is our total, you know, nervous system capacity or ability to feel safety because both pleasure and pain can feel unsafe. And so really what we're doing is like building our safety for both because on the pain side, what a lot of people believe is I can't handle it, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is too much. This is too painful. I cannot handle this. And I totally get that. And also being, and, and again, not, not, you know, you shouldn't push too much into that. Like I'm all about doing safety and like growing in little bits as you feel comfortable. And if this journey feels good to you and you like intensity and you want to be able to hold more pleasure, part of that is being able to handle or, or believe that you can handle anything that comes your way. And that's a very, very powerful and powerfully confident place to live from. 
if you really believe you can handle anything. Yeah, that is so good what you just said, because I could literally track moments in my life where I was sort of on the pain side of the spectrum. And like when when I believe and for me, I you know, physical body pain is one that shows up for me and also just a uh, mental stability like like uh what do i mean by that like when i'm in the pain side of like my mental health like it can feel like i'm going crazy and like actually when when that thought comes up that's like a good sign that i'm like hitting my threshold of my capacity to feel pain is when like my brain, my nervous system's like, oh, you're going crazy. Time to like numb this so that you don't go crazy. Like that's actually Ooh, also yeah. wisdom. That's that's wisdom too, right? Like, because I'm talking about growth here, but also like, I don't believe in just constantly growing. I believe mm-hmm. in staying where you're at a little bit when when that's right. And, and only you can decide when that's right. But, you know, you brought up a really valuable point. Like, I don't want people to now listen to this and be like, okay, now I must skydive into the most painful shit and the most pleasurable shit and just overwhelm the fuck out of myself. Like, I don't believe in that at all. My, my approach, it might be my Mars and Taurus speaking, but whatever. My approach is like stretch, not break one foot in front of the other, and then just stay planted there and rest. If that feels like a stretch, like, stretch not break stretch not break right like okay sex metaphor right there's a stretch like if let's say you're you're getting penetrated right there's a stretch that feels painful but also kind of good right like that's what i'm talking about here but if it's just being like rammed in with zero lubrication or foreplay like at least for me, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, it's too much. And it could create a breakage literally in the skin. It's it, That's kind of what I'm talking about here. But then there's some people that derive pleasure from that level of pain. And if that's you, then fucking go for it. But that ain't me. Part of being sort of this path of being authentic, like also whatever that means, right? The word authentic, um, is learning when to say, actually, my nervous system wants me to stop here. And I'm going to trust the fuck out of that yes oh yes i am so a thousand percent there with all of my own stuff right now like that's that's part of what i where i'm at right now is trusting that when my body is saying no that that's meaningful and not something that i need to just push through just because right like i think this it's, I, I love that all of this conversation about nervous system and the window of tolerance and building your capacity, all this stuff is awesome. And there is nothing wrong with the nervous system's built-in means of protection, right? Like I loved, um, uh, I think it was Deb Malkin, one of our mutual coach friends posted the other day, something about like, what if we didn't call it a trauma response? We called it a protection response. Mm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Because to frame everything at not, not that obviously you're not doing this, but just in the general conversation, this idea that like, Oh, trauma is bad. We need to fix it. Like I loved what you were saying earlier about talking to the doubt, to the insecurity and being like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix you. That's part of my, like my internal processes rely on things like that as well. Just like, this is a part of my experience and I want to have 
the full human experience, even just as a poet and songwriter, I want to have the full human experience because otherwise my art won't be relatable. <laughs> like I've thought about that. You know, if I'm just riding the clouds all the time and like fully enlightened and not experiencing anything, I would write shit poetry. Ugh, tell me about it. Truly, tell- like read Rumi. That shit is human. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, bringing it back to like trauma responses too, right? Like uh, that's another way that shame really just sneaks in so sneakily is like, oh, when I finally heal, right? There's this Instagram page I found recently, and I think it's called Healing from Healing, but it really talks about like (laughs) this sort of paradox that like, when you make your entire life purpose like healing it's really just shame in disguise preventing you from living and enjoying where you're at in this moment you know and one way that we that a lot of us do that is like is like uh vilifying not in the villain era kind of way but like making wrong a trauma response right like but we've got to understand from a nervous system standpoint a neural pathway within your body standpoint if you push past trauma responses the body is a physical thing the the mind is a physical thing so a lot of people when they think of thoughts and emotions they think of like energies floating in the ether yes and like understand that our capacity to feel those things within our body is because we have literally physical things called neural pathways within our nervous system muscles with sensations and nerves that are physical containers they're literally physical containers so imagine there's like a, a a lake in a forest right what a lot of people who are trying to push past trauma responses do and push past their comfort zone is like they're trying to flood that lake but the lake hasn't even eroded enough to hold more water in it what happens when you completely flood an ecosystem and it's not meant to be flooded all the aliveness around it dies all of it, like, the, you know, animals drown, plants drown that aren't meant to have that much water, right? But I want you to imagine that over time, like weathering and erosion and putting a little bit more water into that lake starts to erode the rocks at the crevices. Maybe there's some openings, right? And there's a slow buildup over time that lake can hold more water and that water now generates uh, life in the ecosystem, It's the same thing with our own bodies. Like our body is so wise. If you're having a fight, flight, freeze response or anything like that, like it's not a sign that you need to push through unless it, you can, your nervous system consents to it. It's, it's a sign to cultivate intimacy with yourself, go inward and and ask if you're ready for more safety in that, in that place. And if the answer is no, then that's wisdom. That's not yes. something that needs to be fixed. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I'm I'm feeling that so hard in my own life in the last couple of months with just my personal shit that's been happening and needing to take way more space and go slower. And I had this really interesting experience yesterday. I actually want to like say more about this at some point, but I realized I've actually incorporated and allowed and invited. I don't love the word procrastination, but I'm going to use it because people understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I have brought procrastination in as like a key part of my creative process. 
I not only don't push back against it, I'm like, this is like yesterday, then the example I'm using is I had, I had given myself a task because I trusted that I was going to do the task that day. I was able to just wait until my brain was ready to do it, which wasn't until like 7 PM, (laughs) which is fine. (laughs) So literally like, you know, it, but it felt good because I was intentionally doing things that were nourishing to myself and doing things that felt good. And what's interesting, I like, I just going to go back to the sex analogy for this with the, with the nervous system capacity stuff is I think when people are purchasing healing, so when they're buying, you know, courses or coaching or therapy or whatever it is that they see as being, you know, potentially healing and there is an industry around it. So I want to acknowledge that, that like, there's this, you know, this used to be something that was just part of the community and that you received as by being a community member and that was not purchased. So that that's a whole thing in itself. But when people are in the healing uh, economy <laughs> and purchasing healing, there's this idea, I think, that the faster, the better. And that sort of like the big, like the sexiest results are the fastest, the hardest. And it's almost like the orgy version. I love a good orgy, but honestly, like I don't do it that <laughs> often anymore because <laughs> I'm just like... it's not what I want all the time. Like there's a big part of me that to like bring it back to my very first example that like really gets a lot out of cultivating like my couple of main sexual relationships that I have right now, like Mm -hmm. with my kind of core partners and that I, and to, to use that, like as an example, that's much more like the slow adding to the lake, growing the capacity. It, it's not that like, it doesn't look as sexy as a result if you describe it from the outside, but on the inside as an experience of just being able to love and appreciate my sexuality every day. I don't want to go to an orgy every day. Mm. I don't, I really truly don't. <laughs> God, you know, yeah, I could so relate to what you're saying because during my depression phase and uh, and to this day as well like i still feel it is there has been a a constricting in my in my sexual energy like it's like 30 percent as intense as before and when this first started happening i was like terrified i was like oh my god like i'm never gonna be horny again I'm never going to feel the pleasure of an orgasm again. And I started really freaking out. And over time and with continual going inward and continual learning to trust my body and learning to let go of freaking out at what my body is telling me, like I, I decided to see it as wisdom. And what I'm noticing is happening now is, is that what I used to be turned on by isn't really... In, in resonance with who I'm becoming anymore. So, um, Oh, that's really interesting. Right. So I used to be like subconsciously turned on by experiences that were actually kind of bad for me and not in service to me with people that don't actually give a shit about me or themselves. And now I'm finding that like those same people that used to really turn me on, like, repulse me and i'm and now i'm understanding that my what's happening is a recalibration in my nervous system it's like okay there's going to be a time period where you're feeling a lot less sexual energy 
right? And this is sort of like a death that's happening inside the body. We're making space. We're taking out the trash in the nervous system and creating all this empty space, all this uncertainty. And then, um, then we're going to start helping you unplug from the neural pathways of pleasure with shitty people plug and start to plug that into deriving pleasure and sensual energy from things that you normally didn't before that are actually super generative and nurturing right um to you in this season of life what i'm not saying is it's bad for you to hook up and like i'm not saying that i love a good hookup y'all hello right it's just right now what's happening is is that the parts of my nervous system that are in tune and connected with like the sex hormones and things like that are starting to point in a different direction that i'm not used to and the process of transitioning into that takes a lot of energy again nerves are physical things inside the body it actually takes calories to build neural pathways right like you know, it's not just floating thoughts in the ether, or maybe it is that end, right? But like, yeah, I felt reminded of that when you said what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you mentioned seasons or sort of like the season of your life. And that is another thing. I mean, also, because literally we're in, you know, a changing season right now. And <laughs> I was just in Vermont for a week. So I was like, oh, yeah, I love, I actually kind of love being cold a little bit. I know you're in you're in Miami, right? So yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> the seasons, the here, the seasons yeah. here are hot and hotter. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually like for me, there is something about the especially winter that I like having that experience of my energy changing, even mm. though it doesn't necessarily it certainly doesn't align with the capitalist work week of you know, historically, where, you know, you just do the same thing year in, year out with no change. But for me, I know, and I'm I'm like excited about my sort of like winter turning inward and, you know, spending more time. Um, and actually, it's interesting, because I, I do find as well that my, my overall sexual energy, what I notice seasonally, one thing that happens is that it turns more toward creativity like I, my creative energy and my sexual energy are very related. It almost feels like they're the same. <laughs> literally, yeah. Yeah. Same. And so I will sometimes notice I'm not as literally sex or orgasm oriented when I'm very, very creatively inspired and creating a lot. Like I will be, I'll be more in my head or even more like, I don't know, in the ether, as you're saying, like <laughs> in those, in those creative, you know, just kind of like generative places, but it all feels generative and it all feels good. And then in the spring, I always, you know, it turns back to like pure horniness. <laughs> <laughs> Matia, yes, as it should. No, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, 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 I resonate a lot with what you're saying too about like, there's times where I feel physiologically turned on creating art or creating content, even though the content isn't sexual. Right. So, yeah. I resonate so much with what you're saying about sometimes it feels like the creativity and and sexual energy is, is similar and one and the same. Definitely when I've had great sex, ooh, for the next few days, y'all, like, watch out. I might make a shit ton of money. <laughs> you know? I might make a viral video. I I could track that that's happened quite a few times, you know? And and no one's talking about this really. Like, or there's a very small because a lot of people, 
are, are talking about what they think they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are taught they're like it's true the word sex is gonna get censored more on instagram on tiktok and there are ways to take the risk and to fight for a world where it's safer to talk about these things and not punished um you know and and part of that hero's journey of sort of creating a new normal is being willing to be the person that's seen as abnormal until it's normal, whatever that even means. And like, you know, mm. and and so many people have gifts in, in of intuition and spirituality, but they're trying to sound really sciencey when they're not, you know, um, or or they have gifts with the sexual energy and ways of experiencing it that people don't even know they want until they've heard about it. And like, Mm. but the world's not going to know because hiding is more pedestalized or following this rule book is more pedestalized. Like, fuck that. The reason these rule books existed was because someone stood for something enough until it was normal. So like, why not? Like, at least me, I'm standing for like, okay, a world where it's safer to, share our opinions even if we disagree a world where it's safer to take up space and and play around with clothing and and talk about sex so that it's not like everything that's sexual is filtered through shame and when things are filtered through shame like the chances of it being destructive rather than generative are like way higher at least Mm. in experience and the experiences of my clients but like sex if we were to talk about sex in particular it's like so many people feel so much shame around their sexual energy and the sexual energy is still there no matter how much you try and inject shame into it it's still there it's and it's gonna move so you can either move it by putting yourself in dangerous situations like i've seen people riddled by shame with their own sexuality that they that it turns into like addiction to substances and putting themselves in dangerous, risky situations with sex and, and leaving them feeling depleted and empty after uh, because they're unwilling to hold that energy or to question the voice that says that this is wrong, you know? Um, yeah. That also makes me think of actually another way that I experienced that energy is uh, being like you were, what you were just saying about like being able to or willing to hold it. I actually love that comparison with money and with creative energy because it totally makes sense. As you're saying, you know, people don't really talk about this like sexual energy slash making money connection. Of course they don't. Cause we don't talk about either of those things. We also don't tend to talk about, or like, it's not a lot of artists. If they're talking about their process publicly, they're more talking about it from a like, let me show you my studio and show you the beautiful content I'm supposed to be making so that people will buy my art. Thank you. <laughs> that kind of stuff versus the just absolute like laying flat face down on the floor, hating absolutely everything you've ever written <laughs> part of it. And to me, all of those are uh, interlocking and where I started that idea and where I thankfully remember to come back around to is that for example, if I'm feeling a sexual urge, I work at home, it's usually pretty easy for me to meet that need within minutes if I need to, right? But something that I've, because I've noticed that connection with the creative energy, something I've played with is is actually holding that, just holding the sort of 
horniness or creative energy, kind of like riding that energy and seeing where it wants to go and not just immediately dissipating it. Oh, let's see uh, how much time you got. Cause that's a whole nother three hours right there. No, um, yo, that is so juicy. And I'm also playing with that in my own way as well as like, Actually, I did. Uh, so not this year, but the year before. There's this trend. I don't know if you've heard of it called No Nut November. And <laughs> it's it's essentially a month where you don't uh, watch porn or orgasm. Right. Um, and I led for free like a, a little group chat of a bunch of uh, like male identifying individuals that can like orgasm in that way. Um, I, I led a, a, a group and so so the idea for me wasn't about suppressing sexual energy it was about moving it in a different way which was a discern which was a disclaimer that I also gave to the group it's like if you want to self-pleasure fine but let's experiment just for 30 days with not releasing it right and what I discovered was so fucking mind-blowing and this was by accident. I didn't even know that this was possible. It was hard, pun intended, Uh, like challenging. (laughs) It was actually super challenging to do. And I would have these self-pleasure sort of ceremonies. But I started doing this thing because in that year when I used to like self-pleasure, it was very like arrive to the destination as quickly as possible, probably watch some porn, right? Like zero in my body, more so in my head, right? Um. But in that situation, I was uh, sort of forced by the circumstance to be more creative. And I started lighting candles, putting on mood lighting, putting on playlists. I started touching different parts of my body. I've discovered erogenous zones in places I didn't even know you could feel like erogenous energy. I had this experience where I was like having a self-pleasure. Oh, and I even bought a bunch of toys, right? Like, which I wasn't using before. So it was like, I had this experience where I was uh, exploring my body in this way. And I had for the first time ever an orgasm without nutting as a man. And it was the most mind-boggling feeling ever and while this was happening i literally saw it it looked like a psychedelic vision like it looked like something i would see if i was on lsd like but i saw and i was sober i saw my future self standing right in front of me looking into my eyes and he's like i fucking love you he just says that and i just started sobbing like and shaking and sobbing and i felt like a god like and that that has happened to me quite a few times. And I started experimenting with like, okay, what if I set an intention before I have a casual encounter with like a hookup or a friends with benefits? What if I also put music and candles and lighting for them as well? What if while I was having sex with them, I was saying like affirmations in my head? And I started exploring this side of, not that you have to, I'm not saying you have to do that, but, and I started also like, Instead of being in my head visualizing while having sex, I would take an elevator back to that exercise of rain earlier in the podcast. I would take an elevator to the middle of that sensation in my genitalia, in my nips, in my armpits, wherever I'm feeling that erotic energy. And I would go into that feeling and expand it. And what I'm telling you, (laughs) it changed my life. It, It did. Like, 
It did. And there were times where I would get the biggest creative ideas in my business after those experiences, or um, I would take bigger risks and I would say bolder things or, or I would make money. And I believe in magic. I believe that that shit was fucking magic. So how interesting is it to me that an energy that is so powerful, like sexual energy, like we're taught in every system in society, like to suppress it or to feel shame around it. It's because anything that's filtered through the lens of shame is diluted. It's, it's like, it's like fast food versus five-star food. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you're, diluting the potency of that energy by putting like shame on top of it and sexual energy literally the energy that brings life into the world the energy for some people like us it's also associated with art and creativity like you know who benefits from that energy being suppressed is another question that we can even ask ourselves so it's like um understand that if you're someone listening to this right now and you feel shame around sex sexuality sexual energy uh if you think you're hypersexual and and you need to be less sexual like where whose voice is that is it yours or is it moms dads the catholic church is it the homophobic voices you know queer phobic voices is it really you is it the voice that represents love in, in your body, right? Or does every time that voice comes up, your body constricts, right? That constriction is wisdom. It's trying to tell you this ain't mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. And I, I think a lot about the, because the, the who benefits, obviously most of our systems of power, especially the most extractive ones, they fare the best when we are powerless and depressed and, you know, just seeking to alleviate just enough, you know, to like function in the world. And I really like if we had no shame and if we had all the time and resources to be in flow and make the art we want to make or whatever, you know, not everybody wants to make art, but like if we were able to create what we wanted to create without shame, express our sexuality or lack thereof without shame. If all of these things were true, I don't think we would buy as much stuff, <laughs> you know, like in general, you know, there's like, if, if our deep core human desires were just easily met, you know, it, it would immediately break down at least the fast fashion industry. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not, I I haven't thought about it like that before of like how it could be related to buying things. Sometimes though, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, like this sensation when like about to buy something that it's almost like it's, there's a texture to it that doesn't feel super clean. It's like, I'm like leaking energy or I'm like nutting by buying this thing. But it's like not intentional. Not that every nut needs to be intentional, by the way. I'm not saying that either. <laughs> it's it's more of like a, a way of numbing sensation mm-hmm. rather than saying yes to an item that's a fuck yes for you. Right? Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to like just track where that's happening for me. Yeah. And that's a whole other like huge thing, huge thing we could go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yay. So I do want to start wrapping up, 
my final questions for you are where people can find you. And then if you have advice that you want to give yourself at any age. Mm, That's good. I'll start with the advice one. Okay. I would like take a time machine to like me that was in high school and be like, trust me, bestie. Literally everyone you think is going to hate you for liking boys is going to be even more obsessed with you. (laughs) Like it's safe. And that's not always the case for everybody. For some people, if you come out, it will put you in danger. So filter that through your own discernment. But this is for me to me, right? It's safe. Um, and it's more fun. <laughs> and we eventually get to the point where like, because I used to be like, like when I first came out, I was like, oh, like I accept myself for being gay, but I'd rather be straight. Like there was like layers to it. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, ew. Why would anyone want to be straight? Like being straight is so boring. Okay. So yeah, we've gotten to that point. Um, Yeah. So where can people find me? Instagram at Carlos de la Playa, Facebook, Carlos de la Playa, Twitter, de la Playa, Carlos, because some asshole took Carlos de la Playa. And TikTok, Carlitos de la Playa. And I think you're going to put my podcast on the show notes, but it's called yep. the Spiritual Thirst Trap Podcast. So check that out. Yeah, we will put all of those in the show notes so people can easily find you. Yay. Oh, this has been so great. I feel very energized and like very excited. <laughs> Me too. This was actually, it's so funny. I say this almost every podcast that I do. It's probably because the skill of me being even more myself as I do these is getting stronger. But like this has been the most fun one I've ever done and the most unfiltered. I think this one has the most like there were moments where I was like, do I want (laughs) to say that? Yeah, I do. And that hasn't happened yet. So, wow. Nice. That's what I aim to bring out in people. (laughs) And it worked. Yay. Yeah, I think this definitely has the most uh, explicit sexual references, which is unsurprising. I guess I should have expected that (laughs) because I've listened to your podcast. (laughs) There we go. Yes. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes and definitely look up Carlos and definitely listen to his podcast. If you liked this, you will be obsessed. So thank you so much. And I will see you later. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarie.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.